0: up everybody welcome back to keith and mike watch deep space nine today we are talking about season three episode 16 profit motive something we have never had mike how you doing buddy i'm doing all right keith uh yeah the 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 big reveal
1: is in the title of the episode and uh, yeah it sure is yeah unfortunately it, it comes much sooner in our episode than it does in the show but I guess...
0: Well, only if you're paying attention to the spelling, which I never did in the 90s, so... No, in fact, you know,
1: since I have to look up... I don't have to. Since I choose to look up what other shows were airing on this date, I'm mm-hmm. actually paying more attention to to episode titles than I ever have before. And I recognize that a lot of people attempted their cleverness in the actual episode titles. Yeah. And it's lost on most folks, I think.
0: Yeah, it, it sure is. Well, I mean, look, you know, you... you we writers are just trying to amuse, you know, ourselves and each other. Right? Mm-hmm. We gotta yes. come up with something. Gotta come up with something clever. I guess. So. Uh you know. So, uh, so there it is. But uh, while we talk about clever titles, we have to talk about last week's episode, mm-hmm. "Heart of Stone," and give your ratings uh, before we can determine who was the winner between Mike and I, which is important tremendously important. So here is what you said. If you would like to leave your ratings, just leave your rating in the comments below about this episode, and we will read it next episode. See, it's a, it's a whole complicated system we got going there. So last week, Joshua Cronin gave it a 92. Jason Moe gave it a 77. YouTube viewer gave it a 75. Delusions at noon with a 79. JD came in high at an 86. Wharfs boot shivs at a 75. And... Harry Pothead as well with a 75 but with the super tip as always that's how you get your comment read on the air you leave a super tip down below Below our just buddy just the super tip
1: I've been waiting to make that joke I don't know why I haven't done it before oh and it was so worth it you can't get pregnant if it's just a super tip Keith
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow can't get pregnant on the internet Okay, well, our friend Sans Deity, of course, left this. uh, Interesting. As a self-avowed atheist, shocking that somebody named Sans Deity is an atheist. I know. Yeah, me too. The religious aspects of DS9 can sometimes be irksome for me. Hmm. For example, the prophecy in this episode only comes true, like all prophecies that come true, in quotation marks, because the interpretation is changed after the facts come out. 100%. 100%. DS9 does a great job with religion overall because it's never overtly preachy or, uh, and the metaphysical religious aspects are born from the real beings as the prophets do exist. So it's not 100% just corporeal beings being shoehorning their religious beliefs into facts. I feel exactly the same way. That's why, as I was saying last week, that's why I really like how Deep Space Nine handles it. Uh, he continues, Religious discussion aside, I'm not a huge fan of this episode. It's predictable, and no performances stand out even to save it. Say what you will about life support, for example. At least it has Nana Visitor's amazing performance in it. There's uh, This one is just there to me. You know that the prophecy is going to come true in some form, and all the doubters will be proven wrong. I wish that there were more examples in fiction overall where the skeptic is the one who is proven right, not the believer, since that's far more true to life. That's also really fair. One saving grace is the common theme I'm noticing on my rewatch. Even in the bad episodes, there are important moments to the show. This is another one that takes Sisko further along his journey as the emissary and adds an important texture to the series, so I can't completely hate it. So, it's 50 self-sealing, hell yes, they're self-sealing stem bolts from me, just right down the middle. It's also pretty cool that two random 90s movies you were discussing... On this show, Dave and Sister Act 2 are the first two movies I ever watched when I finally got cable in the 90s. Hey. So they always have a special place in my heart. I just watched Sister Act 2 with my kids, so it was pretty cool. It showed up this week in the episode. When Jesus...
1: Oh,
0: my Lord. We're going to go back to that well a few times. I, I, I will have you know, I'm using monitors right so nothing that i'm that's that's coming from you is is playing out loud in the basement here but when you did that the cat went
1: well there you know
0: it was so loud it came through my monitors
1: uh how bad is your hearing that you jacked me so loud uh bad
0: (laughs) (laughs) you what i mean look it not only are we doing all of these shows but I'm recording my demos and all of my, uh, you know, the album, whatever I'm working on, which means I'm screaming like 17 layers yeah. of high notes into this, which in order to, I have to, it's terrible. I, I, um, not good. Not good. Anyway, uh, let us hear from our last adjudicator of last episode from, from the, the ch- desk of Chancellor Jen. Here we go. Spoiler alert. Chancellor Jen loved it. Column Meany was amazing, and I love the Cardassian scientists. I agree with Keith that my favorite scene was Kira and Sisko when she tells him she believes he is the emissary. They are so, so good. Jen, did you watch our episode? Yes.
1: She, Keith, oh. it's, it's beyond the pale. Now, what's very— what's that, What am I? Hold on. I, I hate to air my marital grievances on the Internet for everyone. Oh, that'd be a first. But I'm noticing something here. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing that, A, she agrees with you a lot. B, she's watching us talk Mm -hmm. about the episode. Mm -hmm. But twice now when I've asked her if she wants to watch the episode with me,
0: like we promised the patrons we would do this season, she's Uh busy or just flat says no? I think because she wants wants to watch the episode with me. So maybe we I'm need a to cool do, start a, the, at a, another patron tier. Keith
1: and Jen watch Face <laughs> he, nine while Mike mopes in the other bedroom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because Keith and Jen like each other way more than we like so you. Much That's so much more compatible. So much more compatible. All right. Uh, she continues. Ninety-two stem bolts. From Chancellor That's Jensen. That's
1: absurd. It just wasn't that good an episode. I'm with Sam on this one. Mike's
0: singing when Jesus washed with the chipmunk filter 100. So look, Sam, All right. she,
1: I she was likes... I was acting a fool last night. I Maybe I'll post it on the... Th- I just was. Oh, like, she sent
0: me a video. I saw I you acting a fool. I was feeling it. Cool.
1: And whereas I think 90% of the population of this planet would tell me to shut the up. Because it was a mm-hmm. Monday night. She thought it was hysterical and was recording it, and I was like, well, oh, okay, I still got it.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun video. I, I didn't respond because I was doing my D&D, but no, uh, it was... Uh,
1: Everything I, about the last 30 seconds of things
0: we said. <laughs> are... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can watch me every Monday night on Broadway Hit Points, streaming live on Twitch, and then posted to YouTube later. All right, so uh, so there we go. So the average rating for everybody else, was a 76.125. Both of us came in hotter than that. And uh, that makes you the winner, closest mm-hmm. at 87. Congratulations, Mike. Thank you. Thank you very What are much. you going to do with all your winnings? Uh, I'm going to play a fake applause. Okay. Very good. All right. So what do you say we talk about profit motive? Let's do it. All right. So this episode aired on February twentieth, nineteen ninety-five. The top song I can't wait to hear this one, Mike, right here in my monitors was Take A Bow. Madonna's the, Take A Bow.
1: The something's over, take a bow. That's all I remember about that one. It was like one of I... her one of her rare ballads.
0: That's I I'm amazed you remember that much. I I watched the video. I'm like I have no concept. The no, the concept over, of this something something's
1: overtake about, right? Something like that.
0: So I think it was yes, that was about right. Yeah. I I don't remember it even though I watched it yesterday. Uh speaking of things I don't remember because it was a little bit out of my time, the top movie was the Brady Bunch movie.
1: Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That was one of the that was I remember it being clever because they made it a hard spoof. It was a hard spoof movie, and that that was could have been controversial, Keith. But I remember seeing that in the theaters and thinking it was okay.
0: We saw it in the theaters. I did. Did yeah. you watch the original Brady Bunch? I have watched a lot
1: of the Brady Bunch. I don't know if I did at the time, but in, subsequently, I think I've mentioned. Why did you pop-
0: watch the movie if you hadn't
1: seen the show? I think I watched enough of it. I went to the movies a lot. I, I, my friends and I, we were big into going to the movies. I liked popcorn, and I liked well, I mean, getting out of my house. But I am big on classic television. I find a lot of uh my comedic my perf- comedic performance sensibilities come a lot from that. Uh but a little older like your Lucy's, your Sid Caesar's show of shows, mm-hmm. your uh, Brady Bunch and things like that. That kind of uh you know,
0: I liked it. It was such an interesting concept to not use the original cast. Well, they were pretty old at that point. I think there's some cameos in there maybe, but I would think, yeah. So it was, it was like the, uh, it was like the Abrams Star Trek, not mm-hmm. the original Star Trek. Anyway, interesting. Uh, we weren't watching Brady Bunch on television; we were in the theaters, but we were watching something else on television, Mike.
1: Yeah, you know, Keith is just another week on the tu- on the boob tube, but uh, mm. you know, Coach was still holding it down on ABC. Their movie that night was Falling from the Sky, Flight One Seventy Four. Oh no. Yeah, and then there was a. Another show at 8.30, I love when we come across sitcoms that took a swing and apparently were missed because I don't remember even their existence. There was an ABC sitcom at 8.30, so they used Coach as the lead, and they were trying out a new mm-hmm. show called A Whole New ball Game." And a the, Whole New Ballgame. And the title of this episode, speaking of episode titles, was Horace Morgan is Dead and Living in Milwaukee. Uh,
0: so, I mean, So that's a show. Honestly, that title makes me... Like I'd would watch that episode. See, is, it I'd worth, be is it worth? Is it
1: give it a wiki? Give it a look. Who who? Uh, who what was that show all about? Let's let's well, find what out. What was the show called? It was called A Whole New Ball Game. I'm guessing it's a baseball thing.
0: Oh, hold on. I mean, Why did I go to wiki? I I'm an IMDb. You do person. your thing
1: uh, while you're looking that up. CBS had okay. the nanny, Dave's World, Murphy Brown, and Sybil, and Chicago Hope. All new. So that was a killer oh, it was night on Corbin CBS.
0: Bernson. Oh, we've looked this up before. During oh the, during the practice stuff? No, I think we've done it on this show. It's Corbin Burnson, Richard Kind, uh, John yeah. O'Hurley, mm-hmm. Julia Campbell. Remember we talked? Yeah. Somewhere somehow we talked about this.
1: Fox was rocking Melrose Place Models Inc., Fresh Prince of Bel Air, brand new episode. Will is from Mars. Blossom was a mind with a heart of its own. And then the uh, movie of the night over on NBC was A Woman of Independent Means, part two. Ooh. Ooh. And then of course, Keith, UPN. Bring in the big hits, Star Trek Voyager, Eye of the Needle, Platypus right. Man, and the show Pigsty, Five Cards, No Stud, which has a rating of
0: 2.7. Wow, which uh, now is a pretty good rating. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah. there wasn't as much <laughs> I mean, to
0: watch back then. No, there was not. Yeah, Eye of the Needle, in the segment What Was Voyager Doing, uh, excellent episode. I think one of the best... First season episodes okay. of Voyager. Alright. Uh really cool. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a whole there's hope, there's a twist. It's good stuff. All right. Speaking of hope and a twist, on our weekly World News headline, we've got some we've got some sad news, Mike. The oh. Loch Ness monster is dead. Oh, Hundreds man. watch as a prehistoric creature beaches itself like a whale. Oh, very sad. Sixty two so feet. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken. I don't know why all the people watching are from the 50s, but they are. Yeah, and they
1: <clears throat> they didn't even, like, give you a – they didn't even try. Did they not have drop shadow back then?
0: I don't think they did. Uh, yeah. Also, none of them are looking at the dead. <laughs> like, no. literally nobody in that picture is looking at the Loch Ness Monster.
1: Yeah, you'd also expect more people, you know, if a, if a prehistoric animal washed Well, you beach, don't know but... if you zoomed
0: out. There might be more, right. more people there. 62-foot anyway,
1: beast – Was over a thousand years old. They did some carbon dating on its
0: butthole. Yeah, Yeah, it's very sad. Very sad. Well, okay. Well, we're done dating buttholes. Let's talk about who directed this episode. Holy moly, Mike! Do you do you remember who directed this episode? Should I know that? You sure as hell should. It's Rene Aubergino. Aubergy. directing his first episode of. Deep Space Nine. He has course, one
1: funny scene so now it makes sense why he gave himself a good little cameo. Right? For this
0: episode. And yeah. and uh, and he's directing his buddy Armin. So, good fun. It is written by Ira Steven Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, with a story source from William N. State who also contributed to the episode Homeward on Next Generation. What do you say we find ourselves some Trivial Trivia? Now, keep waste your time with Trivial Trivia. Woo! Okay, we've got a couple of interesting things this week. Starting with uh, in the wormhole scenes, where we go and hang out with the prophets, uh, Renee worked with the DP to replicate the look from Emissary, but also added a new uh, technique to it, which I thought was very effective and as a photoshop person i was like this is cool I i do stuff like this it's a two shot overlay so they they shot everything twice one in focus and one out of focus and then layer them on top of each other um which is something i do in photoshop all the time because like if i if i want to you know shallow the depth of field Mm -hmm. in a photograph i'll i'll copy the sharp one and then I'll blur the second one, and then and just cut out the sharpened part and reveal the blurred parts underneath it, which is kind of what they did here.
1: So it's sort of like a bur blur, but you get a little more control over it because you.
0: Ch- yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, well, right, because you you can choose exactly which parts and how much you want to do, and you can you can do that as many layers as you want. So if you want like a really extreme, you you can do sort of three levels of it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So uh, also. The Carrington Award storyline is an inside joke for the writers or the production team because uh, Next Generation was actually nominated for the Emmy for Best Drama in Season 7. And despite nearly being impossible for a sci-fi show to win, some of the team became convinced somehow that they were going to win. And so they basically huh. just wrote that story in as the Carrington Award idea.
1: Interesting. Well, I'll let it. I'll tease it out whether Mike, Mike's half of the podcast, thinks that that inside joke uh, played twenty eight years later.
0: Uh, yeah, well, that was interesting. You know, the only time I uh, won a sort of a big award like that, they told me before the show that I won.
1: Huh. Interesting.
0: Which was which was, I, I guess, because I had to. Because of, like, the technical stuff, I had to get backstage mm-hmm. ahead of time to accept it. I couldn't come from the house.
1: I often think it'd be better reason. if they tell the people who lost in advance. So just so they don't mm. embarrass themselves by making face on national television.
0: I mean, like, you've got to be aware of face discipline once you're, when you're on that's television. Fair. That's 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 always important. That's fair. Face discipline, folks. But mm-hmm. It's not, not something we have ever demonstrated here mm-hmm. on this show. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there it is. So uh this is the only time in the series we hear uh Mayhardu's voice. Uh is that Tiny actor Ron's doing the voice? How voice. Oh cool. Yeah, it's Tony Ron. Uh but uh it, it of course only as a prophet because as we learn in this episode, Mayhardu does speak but only to the Negus. That's how that works. And this uh, this I, I found fascinating speaking of 70s television, right? The first version of this story, the concept of this was written as a spec episode by Ira Stephen Bear that he wrote for Taxi. Huh. and uh, and then adapted it was it was like I I don't know the character's names but one of them was like he was going to like this old guy who was the notorious playboy to learn how to like meet ladies and then when he goes for help he's like giving it all up he's renounced it he's a better person now. Okay, And they're all disappointed, like so that was the bit. basic... Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, what a cast, good yeah. lord. All right, so that is Trivial Triva. I think it is now time to uh, hand out some not-so-trivial thanks to our patrons, Mike.
1: Keith, each and every week we take this time, and though it makes us both uncomfortable, uh, the first half of it where we show gratitude, we enjoy, and then we have to beg a little bit. But first... Let me just say thank you to our dear patrons who help bring you this show each and every week. Sounds like an oversell, but it's not. It definitely does help Keith and I offset our time. That's Bryant, Kimball, Beersock, Wyatt, Eldridge, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Bren Joshua, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Novoa, and the mysterious Worf's Boot Shivs, Charles Babbage, Richard Coleman, CRM Productions, Nikolay, Ivanovich, Lobachevsky, Delusions at Noon. And we have folks who've sent us. Cool stuff in the mail for various reasons and different shows. J.D. Makes, Colin Digg and Chris Mitchell, CRM. We got Pat. We got Joshua Cronin. You can join that team to get all kinds of fun stuff, watch-alongs, ask-me-anythings, us playing video games here and there, patreon.com slash K&M. We've got all kinds of fun live stuff prepared, and uh, we're going to be doing, and uh, it's so nice to chat with our patrons. Please come along, join the team, patreon.com slash K&M.
0: And I think... Uh, because I, I, if I'm up for it, then it's definitely something that we should do. Uh, we've we need to pick a time and a date, and maybe we'll get onto the Patreon feed and see what people are available. Because I think now, after uh, the episode of Strange New Worlds that we did where we met Cybok, mm-hmm. I think it might be time for a live patron watch along of Star Trek V. Uh, cool. Which uh, you and I can watch it with the patrons. They can chat along, and we can uh, we can do that. Idea. So
1: this is a great. So idea. we're
0: gonna we're gonna we're gonna pick a date. We're gonna announce the date so you can all join if you want to come along on the ridiculous journey that will be mm-hmm. Star Trek V. There are many people who consider it some of the worst Star Trek that's ever been done, but there are other people who will passionately defend Star Trek V. We'll, we'll grab our beverage of choice with our patrons. A hundred percent. No, no, we're definitely drinking. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, written and directed, Mike, by William Shatner.
1: Oh, I can't, oh, speaking of Shatner, sorry, quick side note, y'all, on Fox, and is now available on Hulu as well, there is a show that Shatner hosts called Stars on Mars, Keith, where it's mm-hmm. basically they sequester all of these celebrities, well, no, there's some, you got Ronda Rousey, you got, uh, Lance Armstrong, you got, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. Running back. You know, people, Marsh, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, people
0: who used to do real sports and now just do fake sports. And now
1: they're locked on Mars with Shatner beaming in and giving them missions. And it is
0: so bad, it's almost okay.
1: And uh, I mean,
0: I I, th- I think that is that encapsulates <laughs> Shatner to the T. Yeah,
1: it's so bad, it's almost okay. So check it out. Uh, I might force you to watch one of those things because it is crazy. Okay,
0: moving on. Okay, so, uh, yeah, if you want uh, to be involved in the live viewing of Star Trek V, uh, you better hop on to patreon.com slash k Okay, so our guest stars this week include Max Grodenchik as Rom, Juliana Donald as Emmy, Tiny Ron as Mayhardu, and of course, Wallace Shawn back as Zek, uh, and Bennett Gilroy as the medical big shot. I think it's time to hop into the screening room. What do you say? Keith, let's do it. Oh god, my poor cat. Okay, so uh, we're going to begin in our teaser with a very uncomfortable scene because Quark is being uh, given, let's call it ear relief, <laughs> trying to unload some self-sealing stem bolts, gross, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. an alien lady who actually knows what they are and how to use them and wants them. Yeah, it's uh, all on the up and up here and they are about to consummate the deal. Uh, you don't have to be so gentle. When Rom enters in a frenzy, Quark wants no part of it until in comes Mike's mother, Grand Nagus Zek, <laughs> and he's moving in. Thank God, like she's, she's,
1: thank God he's covered a little bit more than <laughs> mom was Guys, if you
0: haven't seen Strange New Show... You're never going to know what was happening. You're when, still uh, not going
1: to know, even if you watch.
0: You're still not going to know, but <laughs> something was happening. You can that put it together. I almost fell out of my chair laughing when Mike told me. So, And you can see the moment right there in the episode as the thing that happened happened uh, when I was confused. And now that I know what it was, I've watched it like four times. So don't. And Keith never watches our stuff. I have never watched us, but <laughs> this I had to go back and see. So uh, don't don't miss it. All right. Uh, in Act One, Bashir is called to the wardroom, and everybody celebrates for him. He's been nominated for a Carrington Award. Bashir is confused, but you know he's, he's too young for a Carrington Award. But Dax nominated for him, and it turns out he's the youngest ever nominated. And he freaks out and leaves. Uh, you know, this the the, uh, the poor Emmys, the shows never get the acting, and the shows themselves never got uh, Emmy representation. The technical side, tons. But uh, the acting in the shows, eh, it's wrong. Later, Bashir and Dax talk about it for uh, reasons that season one Bashir wouldn't understand he doesn't want people making a big deal over it because he's sure he won't win um definitely some some I actually well I don't necessarily get really I didn't get necessarily very invested in the storyline I did like the development of Bashir from season one now he's like oh it's not a big deal but it Is he's just learned to cover it a little bit better? Um, that shows some realistic character development Mm -hmm, for Bashir, sure. Uh, so I was like, I was there. Uh, it's more of a lifetime achievement award, uh, and uh, he says, put me up for a nomination in 70 years, but Dax continues teasing him about it. Meanwhile, Quark has been staying in Rom's quarters because the Negus took his and is bummed. He orders some millipede juice, hold the shells, to cheer himself up. The place is trashed. Rum is a slob. And Nog is the one who's supposed to clean it. But Nog is on the homeworld visiting the budget that can't afford him. <laughs> Quark is forced to live here while Nagus uses Quark's quarters. And uh, brothers bunking together, never a good thing. They argue until Quark notices that Rom has been pilfering his stocks. Rom also refuses to follow orders from Quark in his own quarters.
1: Keith, I'm going to interrupt because I meant to yes. mention this earlier and I forgot. Uh, so, do you, is there a plot reason why when we mm-hmm. first see the Grand Nagus, they have him hooded and he like shepherds into his, his quarters in the teaser before we get to Act 1? Or, is it more plausible... That on that shoot day where they had that scene interior, they didn't have Wallace, so they just put him in a hood. They put some extra in a hood and had him sh- sh- shelter off to Quark's quarters, because the all the because he clearly is on the episode. So, well, but do we see? Doesn't he lift the hood to reveal himself at the end? No, in that scene, there's it's just covered in hood until we get to the scene where where. Uh, Quark and, really? Yeah, and and Rom. Do we just hear
0: there. the voice? Oh, well,
1: then you don't that, even hear the that, voice. You just see his handler, and they're like, "Oh, the Negus is here."
0: All right, hold on, I'm checking because okay. I'm now super curious about this.
1: Yeah, I have it in my oh. su- surprisingly few notes this week, but that's one of the things I wanted to.
0: Yeah. All right, hold on, because th- it is it is fascinating that we wouldn't see him, um, but I, I'm sure from a production element, it's exactly. It was that. If yeah, we no, if we saw the hooded person, but we didn't see.
1: They probably had a limited amount of time with him on set. Right. Due to scheduling. And, and that scene was scheduled for a previous day. And so they just shot it without him appearing.
0: Uh-huh. 100%. They obviously didn't have Wallace on. Because mm-hmm. there's absolutely no. Cause, yeah.
1: Because I was clearly, I was thinking, oh, it's not going to be him. He's been replaced. It's a different person pretending to be him. You know, all these reasons why they wouldn't show him. But none of those things have come to pass.
0: No, 100%. They yeah. they did not have Wallace that day, so they made it work either way. Good job, Renee. I didn't even notice, but Mike noticed. Mm. What have you done? What so. have you created? <laughs> well, you know
1: what's terrible now? I actually noticed something this episode that I want to uh, pitch to you to maybe ask your uncle. Okay. Because I noticed something I, I think is super cool and maybe a little bit of a... A a retro analog nod, but I'll I'll mention it when we get there.
0: Well, yeah, I have bad news for you, though. It wasn't him? Because he was on Voyager at this point. Oh, well, he probably still didn't he work. Didn't
1: he do some sort of oversight for this or no? He was. He was.
0: Well, he was supervisory sound on on Voyager. I don't know if I, I think. They spun off Deep Space because I mean, he established all of the Deep Space Nine sound. Mm-hmm. They handed it off to establish all of Voyager. I don't know if he had any supervisory role on the show after he'd left it because he, because he's established Next Gen, left for Deep Space Nine, established Jesus Nine, left for Voyager, and then Voyager and Enterprise didn't overlap. So mm-hmm. um, unclear, but we'll we'll, I, we'll get to the question, and I'll, I will definitely ask. So we also learn here. Uh, you know that they, they, they've 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 got to get their quarters back. You got to get Quark's quarter back, and we learned that Quark and Rom live literally across the hall from each other. Um, which I guess makes sense. Part of this is silly because, of course, the Nagus would be able to get nice guest quarters if he wanted, as the head of state of an entire species. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he could do this, so he's he's moving in with Quark just to bother him. I think, but. Not because
1: this version of Nagus wouldn't want to bother Quark.
0: No, no, it's it's it's, 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 a, it's a hard
1: wormhole, and also this version of Nagus wouldn't be so frugal because you can make the argument that a they that, that he'd be so frugal that he doesn't want to spend the money on another suite because he's trying to
0: but control his. It, it, but it's this version Federation. wouldn't. Do, there there it, is no money. They're not going
1: to charge him. Yeah. So this is a this is a put stick a flag pin it's, in it
0: because it's a it's a wormhole. It's just a silly sitcom contrivance. That's all it is. Yeah, but they don't show oh.
1: it. They don't even show. And I thought we were going to get part, with scenes of odd couple esque hijinks between Nagus and Quark, but we don't get that either. We just get him talking well, about it. Well, because
0: Quark's here. staying with, with Rom.
1: Right. It makes no sense. We, and we get this one scene. Well, whatever. 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 So uh,
0: they argue about who should tell the Nagus to get out. It ends up being Rom, of course. He rings the doorbell, and out comes the Nagus, who is delighted to see Rom and Quark. He's super cheerful. And they go into Quark's quarters and find that all of his furniture and possessions are gone. Um, I guess he sold it? I don't know why. Gave them, gave them away? Gave them away. And the, uh, the Nagus has been working on a book. The new rules of acquisition. They've been rewritten. Quark smells opportunity until he reads them. They're backwards. The first one is if they want their money back, give give it it to them. them. Mayhardu is in tears. So sad. And that is the end of Act 1. And we begin Act 2 with Rom reading more of the progressive rules as Quark despairs. Rule 285, a good deed is its own reward. And Quark almost faints quark thinks of course it's a test he looks for a code in the book it's nothing and then he tries licking the book (laughs) alas that was funny i I thought both the looking for the code and licking the book was Mm -hmm. funny uh quark thinks it has to be part of some devious plan so in the in the short term let's just play dumb later quark is still thinking it over when the Negus comes into the bar and buys everybody a drink on his tab just to make people happy look at that screenshot that's hilarious uh, they play along then the Negus mentions he's giving up beetle snuff because that's now fun for the Beatles <laughs> pretty good Keith yeah there it is uh, then I'm so sorry that's on the internet. <laughs> Then now you have to use, do your negus at some point today. So then we find out that the. <laughs> no. Then we find out the negus has interfered with Quark's stem bolt deal. He told the lady that Quark was screwing her and told her where to get them wholesale and tells Quark he should sell them at a fair price. And this is just too much for poor Quark. Later, we see O'Brien and Bashir playing darts in the cargo bay. They realized that the darts were a hell of a lot easier to set up and tear down than the racquetball set. I do love,
1: just a quick mention, that the future element of this is that, oh, when you hit the one spot with the darts, it lights up and keeps score for you, which is like a toy we've
0: had I have always. one. In, I yeah. have one in the, in the <laughs> garage right now. Yeah, it's higher tech. It's space darts. Yeah. It's got to be space everything. That's yeah, the whole right. space jammies, space blankets, space yep. darts. Oh, come on. It's so much fun. Uh, and uh, so uh, Keiko is away again. Apparently, maybe maybe ran off with Nog and the set for the uh, racquetball. And uh, so O'Brien is making Bashir play constantly. They discuss the Carrington Awards. And O'Brien says, I would vote for you but you don't stand a chance. And of course, this is a way to get Bashir to suck at darts. So Bashir turns it around and asks, hey, "So how long is Keiko going to be gone to make O'Brien suck at darts?" Um I thought it was cute. I mean, like we've all done that. Uh-huh. Um and so and the the darts is going to be a thing. Okay. At least that's nice to know. Yeah, we're we're building, we're building. Why am I getting the telepathic sense Mike was not a fan of this episode? We'll talk about it. (laughs) Later, there is a flurry of activity in Quark's quarters. Rom and Mayhardu are setting up the headquarters for the Ferengi Benevolent Association. Quark continues to be baffled. In Act 3, Quark pulls Rom out, who is now a senior administrator and loving the job. The Nagus is going to mold Rom into an evolved Ferengi. We're moving beyond greed. Rom is delighted, and Quark has been named co-chair of the Benevolent Association. Quark is naturally concerned they're all going to be thrown off the Ferengi Tower of Commerce once folks get wind of his new plan. Which... Makes sense, actually. I think that's probably a fair anxiety for for Quark there. I mean, God, look at the faces on Max. It's a, yeah, that's
1: a great. We're up here, and
0: we're gonna go down there,
1: and then Rom Kids. goes. <laughs> they do have some good beats in this episode. I'll say that you know, as as kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Slapsticky as it's supposed to be. They they commit to it, and so it it's not. A disaster you know you have to if there was no if the commitment level wasn't as high i think it could have it could
0: have gotten a little schlocky yeah or more more so more so so uh they try to get the neighbor the negus, some help because there's something clearly wrong with him. they get him checked out by bashir but there's nothing wrong with him he's in great shape quark doesn't buy it and demands more tests and he taunts bashir about the carrington of course the Negus pays Bashir to donate to charity and announces he's going to give a gift to the Bajoran people tomorrow. That's weird. So later, Quark and Rom try to break into the Negus's shuttle, but they're caught by Mehardu, who, instead of busting them, helps them onto the ship. And they discover one of the missing Bajoran orbs. Now something's happening.
1: 29 right. minutes into the episode this reveal happens. Yeah. So there's only 16 minutes left.
0: We got to move fast. We yeah. got to move fast. Mm-hmm. So Quark and Rom fight over the orb and of course it opens and Quark is thrown into Prophet Vision World. There you go. There's a screenshot for your uh for your there it like, is. snap
1: your thumbnail key. <clears throat> so
0: uh he meets the Negus in there, who taunts him while zapping in and out all over the station like a lep, like leprechaun. Remember those movies,
1: the yeah, leprechaun remember, movies. Yes, hundred yeah. uh,
0: percent. He tells Quark to make a leap of faith, which he leaps off of everything.
1: <laughs> I He's, mean, this reminds me of Pee Wee Herman's "Mecca High, Mecca Ho."
0: That might be the screenshot yeah. if I can find a way to get the contrast right. Do you, so you remember "Mecca High,
1: Mecca Ho"? Sure, I do. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. Pee Wee. What was the name of that genie though? It was just genie, right? Just genie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Photoshop, we got we got to fix your corners on your uh, on, on your, your
1: Is that me overlapping?
0: Mat. Yeah, you're you're overlapping on your. You gotta you gotta crop your corners. I I, I see it every week and I literally never mention it. Well, why not? Ah. Oh. There we go, oh you feel, my God, I feel better oh, now? my life is better I do I feel so much better okay, now
1: That's all I needed to do. got that oh, you're right, yeah, now I get the drop shadow of the panel, yes,
0: yeah, I mean that's amateur hour over yeah, here. I know man
1: it's not like we're flying a SpaceX rocket every week for no reason,
0: <laughs> yes, and it also like bursts into a ball of flame every once in a while <laughs> because the guy at the top has gone completely insane. yes,
1: 100 you that
0: uh. Uh, Alright, so he tells Quark to make a leap of faith. Quark opens the orb and finds the new rules, and then everybody claps. I don't know what any of this means. I'm not sure it means anything, but it's cool to look at. So, back in the real world, Quark has got it figured out. The Prophets put all of these ideas into Zek's head. According to Zek's logs, he got the orb from Cardassia, entered the wormhole, and turned around and came back to Deep Space Nine. Now, Kate, before we move forward, I want
1: to point out my question. I'm pretty sure the answer is yes, but when they're doing all the doodads on the ship here, on the Negus' ship, or in uh, mm-hmm. quarters or whatnot, I'm pretty sure that one of the background sounds that is looping in the background is an old school 266 modem going beep, boop, beep, boop.
0: Oh. I'll have to listen to it, but yeah. but it it seems v- entirely possible, which I think
1: is a very cool low tech.
0: That's what we were rocking at this point.
1: Reuse of
0: to make it sound high tech, which is pretty cool. Did we have the fifty six k at this point, or were we still at the twenty eight eight?
1: Let's see when that came out, because I'm curious. When did fifty six k bod come
0: out? I feel like it was around now, nineteen
1: ninety six.
0: Next year, so so, he, so we were still at the twenty eight eight at yeah. this point.
1: Ooh-wee.
0: oh my goodness! Do you
1: know, Keith, what the baud stand for? B a u d. Remember, it was like twenty six six baud.
0: I do not know. Me neither. And of course, this see, and this explains why baud is on, a
1: unit of me- measurement that denotes symbols per second or number of times per second the modem sends a new signal. That's a ping, basically. when the term was originally used to mean to measure the rate of electronic pulses it has also become a way to measure data transmission speeds of dial-up modems
0: there you go but uh, it explains why uh, Jim and Sean were mailing super VHS tapes back and forth to Los Angeles because they could not upload the sounds from Vermont man crazy crazy uh, all right. So he thinks Zek went into the wormhole, uh, to find the aliens to figure out what. What sentence did I try to write there? He thinks Zek Zach went into the wormhole aliens to see the figure. He basically, turn... so he wanted to. He
1: yeah. was trying to ask the prophets to tell him the future so he could make some early oh, right, stock future. investments. Hundred yeah.
0: percent. Thank you for. Because you know, I write these fast, mm-hmm. yes. So, uh, of course, be- before we get there, because I think that is like an actually interesting thing that he would totally yes. do. How did he get a Bajoran orb from the Cardassians? The Cardassians are not just going to give him that. They're, they're, they deny that they even have any. Let yeah, alone, they don't
1: actually clear that up, do they?
0: Because, like the Cardassians, we know the Bajoran orbs are intensely valuable. They're a huge negotiating piece with the Bajorans. I can't imagine they would just. I think there's only nine of them in existence. He like it's weird it. that he would be able to just grab one. And his um, intention but, was
1: probably to sell it to them. I'm sure, obviously. of course. Yeah, and then, yeah, of course. Um, and then he which, also thought he would blackmail the prophets. I don't Or it just he, happened I, that it opened, and then he took. He sees the opportunity. It
0: it yeah, or some something like that, or maybe he was like, "Here, I've got this thing. Maybe you'll listen to me now." I don't know but it makes sense that he'd be like tell me the future so I can exploit yeah. it. um but of course the wormhole ends are like nope and they turned him into a bernie bro it's
1: very much uh you all i often think you all, we often think of that like in the back to the future vibe right where you go back in time to use your mm-hmm. foreknowledge to make the investments I think it's a cool little wrinkle of that of to just let's get the future somebody to tell me the future so that I can do it from the present I, that's a wrinkle right. that I, a time travel wrinkle that I enjoy
0: yeah, I mean, I like it. It makes sense. I, I, I twenty seven minutes if, into the episode, but if we're rewriting, there's such a so many more interesting ways we could do this. But well, especially
1: know. when well, and we'll talk more about it. This, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first real time the prophets and their time travel uh, communications has really been. Shown right, we've talked about it a bunch, but it's just the first time it's really been a, a central plot mechanic.
0: Well, basically, since emissary, is this the first time we have heard from the wormhole aliens directly since emissary because it's different than the orbs, uh, experience?
1: Yeah, and that, and that, if correct me if I'm wrong, in that they because I remember Kai win being used as kind of like the ventriloquist puppet.
0: Right, right, but those those were orb
1: experiences. Oh, that's right, but they're sim- similar, right? It's right, but it's not quite the same because thing. inside the wormhole are the actual beings. Are the
0: actual alien? The actual beings. So this might be so, the
1: first time we've actually heard from them. I, I sense sense inside I of like a farce episode, which is a bizarre
0: choice, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. All
1: right, anyway, but so, it's important yeah. and interesting, and I wanted to talk about it. I have a note. Just I'll plant the seed now that the first time we hear from them is adjacent to, or actually it's the week after we sort of started to analyze whether or not their omnipotence is religious or spiritual or if it mm-hmm. just happens to be part and parcel with the type of beings they are, which is, I think, an interesting juxtaposition week to week, week over week, because as I think Sans brought up, it's easy to say if a being knows the future or is non-linear time so they can recite the future does that necessarily make it a deity in some sort of way uh
0: no i mean yeah. I, I, I well and that's uh, we uh, we are we are prone to search to human humanity has always wanted to assign deity to anything we didn't understand mm-hmm. like that's that's just part of the the human condition so of course it was a thing we didn't we it was it was more powerful than us we didn't understand it so it must be a deity but i don't think there's any i don't think they see themselves that way
1: yeah no in fact they're quite much more inquisitive than i think a deity would be
0: right they're well it, it, but it's but it's interesting because they do communicate they created the orbs which mm-hmm. do have some sort of communication level people do communicate with them in some fashion and they do tell a little bit of the future but how much intent did they have why did they send the orbs out these are all really good questions mm-hmm. um how they much actually they actually remind air?
1: me a lot of what we call agile development in the kind of tech world which is basically a a much more shortened period of iteration when it comes to tech so mm. rather than saying okay we're going to beta test something for six months uh, agile development is we do weekly sprints so we we fix things week over week and in, in shorter periods see, test see what's working see what's not working iterate very quickly and and a, a lot or more frequently and they seem to remind me the much more of that in this episode where they are quickly seeing the failings and the incompatibilities or the long-term <laughs> prognosis of 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 societies of beings and say well let's fix it let's make it better let's you know
0: which yeah, is what well, they do uh, with the
1: Ferengi here, which is interesting.
0: And, of course, like, if they have non-linear time, hasn't this already happened? Don't they already know the outcome? Don't they already know? Well, that's an what, interesting thing, because
1: they, they, they do make reference in the next scene to... Oh, what's the word they use?
0: It Re- feels like they're making this downgrade decision it, right? in real time.
1: Yeah. Like, it's like when you release an update, right? A Windows update, and they find out, oh, there's a huge security uh, per- kernel patch in it. So they they downgrade you. Right? They downgrade (laughs) to the previous release. That's sort of what they
0: do here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Beta Zek did not go well. (laughs) So later, Odo talks to Bashir about the Carringtons. He's heard a rumor that one of the front riders is not going to win. And if it's not going to him, it could be you. And Bashir says, that's nonsense. But of course, he is working on his acceptance speech. I have no idea what's happening. Are they all
1: mocking him are they trying to get his, his uh competitive juices flowing what why is everyone in on this i don't quite get it
0: it's the whole crew. a whole really uh, yeah they're they're all yeah are they cuz they're like, it like in? they're like no i i i think they're like gently teasing him as a as a way to like
1: Yeah, but he said he wanna know part of it. Are they trying to be like, hey buddy, it's a it's an honor to be nominated? Like let's let's just get pepped up. Let's be feel
0: proud. I'm, well, I mean, let's, let's put it this way. If let's say you're nominated for a Tony. Okay. Oh, okay. Everyone in let's your say life that. let's go ahead and let's say, say that. that everybody in your life is gonna be weird about it.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Because it's it's kind of weird. All of a sudden your buddy's a Tony nominee. So you're like, are you going to win? Buddy, are you going to win? I don't know. This guy was pretty good. Or like, but I think you can. Like, no, you're not. You know, It's just like everybody's just weird because they're is, excited about. Is that how people would act? I don't know, but I, I imagine. Well, think about it this way. But it starts with right? a party. They throw him a party. And he was like, Third I'm party. really
1: weird about this. I don't feel cool about this. And then they spend the rest of the time just kind of like negging but, him well, about it.
0: But, pe- but people are weird, right? Well, think about like <laughs> no. any of our friends, Right think of a friend who was our friend before and then became famous okay and it changes the dynamic of everything yeah
1: okay that's
0: fair and now you're like oh you're my buddy that i know but also people are like think you're famous i'm like how do i interact with you what's the deal it's it people act weird i i think just people act and obviously zooming out this was the experience of the people working on next gen. Everybody around them became experts on who was going to win the Emmy, and they were just weird and about the whole thing. And so, I think they were all just different conversations. They whereas had. I,
1: whereas I don't, and clearly there's a lot of truth to that because it's it's what is right. It's it's documented at this point. From you get the very interesting, you get to kind of go back in time and have the me experience, which is like none of that context. It exists to me until you tell right. me it does not work it does not read it did not work i had no idea what was happening in this plot more importantly i had no idea why it was happening or yeah. how it served
0: any of the characters or the story as a whole so yeah i, I, swing no, and I agree with you swing I, and well miss. i agree with you even knowing what the context yeah. is like i don't in fact like, I'm, I, i'm sort
1: of baffled that this made it to air that they didn't some At yeah. some point through the edit or the rewrites or whatnot, they were like, we should either scrap it, replace it, or change it. Because I kept waiting up until the last second being like, how does this play? Like, there's, it clearly is leading to something, and
0: it's a What je- is the why? Yeah. yeah and and I, I think there would be a way to do this if we had a better sense of the impact it had on Bashir. Like, we yeah. see at the end that he's genuinely disappointed after pretending that he wasn't. I think that's interesting. I think that tells us something about about the character. But if there were more of an emotional journey that we saw him wrestling with... Yeah, especially with the context, just
1: spitballing here, why not have a plot where there's some sort of medical emergency or some sort of medical mystery that he's working on in juxtaposition to this award? And at the end, he doesn't win, but he saves this person's life or whatnot and we show that hey awards are bullshit right and and don't have any grounding in reality of what your talent or skill right or competency sure i think
0: is. i think that's a great story or you could even just like have him be wrestling with his own arrogance mm-hmm. from earlier be like oh my god i'm so embarrassed about being 25 and being such a such a dipshit and if uh, it is people around, are weird
1: it seems very incongruent that
0: odo would be weird Right, it's weird. It's it's funny that Odo would would yeah. be the one would be the one turning in, you know. But if he's like, oh, you know, I've I, I'm so I, I was this is obnoxious arrogant guy, but I've I've turned I've learned my lesson. Thank God, I'm not that guy anymore. And then he nominated like oh, then yeah. all of a sudden it hops back in, and then he learns that lesson. I don't know. If there's a lesson to be learned yeah. here. We just don't choose to do
1: Did, it. I mean, maybe you guys saw something we didn't see, and let me know because yeah. I, I I got nothing from it. But
0: yeah, yeah. So uh. Zek is working hard at a computer to help more people with a barley shipment. Then Quark, Rom, and Mayhardu abduct him, put him back in the bag, and uh, they carry him through the hallways with Zek in the bag, humming merrily, which I thought was funny. They head into the Negus' shuttle, and Rom and Mehardu. This is out. where the modem sounds are. Oh, I think I did hear that. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I, I totally did now that you're mentioning it. So in act five, Quark flies into the wormhole with Zek. He's still happy and even more annoying than usual. And the shuttle starts to shake. Zek explains they need to open the orb to contact the wormhole aliens. So of course Quark does. And Quark goes into the white and sees flashes of his life a uh, couple of shots of other episodes, but most of it from this episode. Then the rest of the cast speaks as the prophets, as they did an Emissary. They ask if the Cisco sent him. He said, no, they ask why he's there. And he explains why. And the prophets say they were confused by Zek's desire to see the future before it happened for financial game, gain. Because uh, of course, Cisco said, I don't, we don't want to know what's going to happen. He, uh, so Zek also explained the concept of more being preferable to less. They, of course, found this concept aggressive, adversarial, and dangerous. So they examined the Ferengi existence and found out that the Ferengi weren't always so greedy. Which is cool. So they de-evolved Zek. Quark asks that they re-evolve Zek, but instead they debate doing the same thing to quark then quark gives a passionate defense of ambition which he equates with greed which i think is a bit of a false connection um it doesn't work right and i think rewriting it because what is this about this is a debate about capitalism Mm -hmm. right um, and, and the Ferengis being the example of capitalism being run amok, um, and the point of view of the show and, and Aliens and Star Trek to be like, this isn't a good system. But I think that there's an opportunity here for Quark to give a much better reasoned, much more interesting defense of capitalism that, even if we don't necessarily walk out of it thinking that, like, yes, no, that's the way to go, there is... Some more interesting, more compelling arguments to be made than he makes there.
1: Yeah, and I think it d- it does a disservice to the Ferengi because as they're painted often, and as they're shown in this episode, it's about it. The bottom line as it being greed, right? A- right. Acquisition of wealth, wanting more wealth, greed. Whereas that could be that I guess that's, that that services the plot here because ultimately he recognizes the what what the. Beings want is basically
0: no interaction with alone. the Ferengi's. Yeah, we don't want to right. deal with the Ferengi's. And, and, so, and I, I think it would have been such a more of an interesting episode. And and again, writing—I said it last week—that I really liked writing the characters at the top of their intelligence. Yes, because like there's clearly quite, some nuance to the Ferengi motivations. They wouldn't have right. evolved to
1: being that way had there not been some sort of survival tactic. Right,
0: they're they're written as Darwinian so greedy to the point yeah. of incompetence. But how do they develop warp drive? yeah right and so i think that would have been cool
1: to learn the darwinian function
0: of their greed right even though i don't necessarily agree with the outcome Mm -hmm. give me give me 20 minutes i can write a pretty good argument for capitalism let's say and and here are the benefits of it and i think that um i think that quark should have made that and and what should have turned the wormhole aliens where they're okay there is a purpose for this way of thinking it does you know it, it deserves to exist maybe it needs some checks more checks and balances maybe or whatever but their point of view is valid let's leave them as they are as opposed to we're annoying and we're just going to leave you alone which is mm-hmm. what they settled on um i i think the bigger point right if you if the shows point idea is to make an argument against capitalism it is a much more effective argument if you dismantle the reasonable tr- like good arguments for capitalism then pick it apart not set up a paper paper doll defense straw man and, straw man exactly it, it, it set up a straw man defense that if it was a good defense then they went at it that would have been so much more effective and made this episode about something. As opposed to the Frankies are annoying.
1: Fair, I, I think that's a fair critique.
0: So, uh, anyway, so Quark does make the the point. You know, if you keep changing, folks, the Frankies are going to keep come back and bother you. Um, blah blah blah. We know this, and he says, make Zek normal, and I'll make sure nobody else bothers you. And that is the winning argument. So they beam Quark back, and we discover the classic Zek is back. He's going to try to sell the orb to the Bajorans, and Quark is happy. Later, in the wardroom, they all watch the Tonys together. They announce the winner, and it's not Bashir. They're all bummed, and Dax checks in on Bashir, and turns out he's really, really bummed about this. Um, I don't know what we're supposed to take from that, because we didn't really write anything about it. Zero journey. Um, Zero just none of it.
1: That was one of the more baffling things that's happened on this show for me. But
0: he he, he really wanted it, I guess. I mean, understandably, right? Yeah. Like, as much as we all pretend like it's an honor to be nominated, I mean, of course you want to win, right? And people, and I mean, and maybe I think, that's
1: what they're saying. Like, you know, you know, it's as silly as much as we know that this is not. We're not generally supposed to win these things. You then get your hopes up. And then you're still disappointed.
0: And, and like you know, it like okay, so you want to you want to write the human story of it shouldn't matter, but it does, mm-hmm. and maybe that's okay. It's understandable, right? Write that episode. Yeah, a lot know. of episode missed here. Anyway, so uh, at the end, Zek confirms that the revised rules have been destroyed, and the only place they exist is in Rom's head. Quark is bummed. He didn't make any profit out of all of this. But then Rom announces that he embezzled money from the benevolent association. Good job, Rom. And that is the end of the episode. Um the only place they exist are in Rom's head. That's interesting. Maybe that's going to play forward mm-hmm. who knows. I think it's time to move along home and discuss this episode. Oh. Oh. Mike, what were your wormholes in the plot? Uh,
1: I thought we talked about them a little bit earlier. I think the, a story here is, I'm, um, is where I'm going to spend my time that, or the beast, the, the, the Bashir plot is the biggest wormhole it, because it is a hole that leads to nowhere. Keith, uh, <laughs> I just don't know what it's about. I don't know why it's there. I don't know what function it serves. And, and, the, the the egregious part of it is that it doesn't. For me, there are ways to make it. Um, like you had you expounded on earlier, to maybe have it function as some sort of a character developing piece for mm-hmm. somebody. Somebody, yeah. but it, it it doesn't. The only time that it there's a couple of moments where when he's speaking with Dax, where you definitely do see that they have their relationship and their individual characters with each other. Have changed and blossomed and grown into an actual true friendship instead of just like a hornball. Uh, volley that's a trademark. Uh, and also with him and Bashir, who have also, or uh, him and O'Brien, is their mm-hmm. friendship has also grown and matured. And I think there's a lot of cool nuance they're building with all of that. Save that. I, every time we've, tr- you've tried to explain it to me or try to make it make sense, I think you're having to reach a little too far to, to to square peg round hole it. Even with all the context. I think you would agree. And so that's my biggest wormhole. And also the the machinations of what the Negus's plan was, how he got the orb mm-hmm. that actually seems it like it could be an interesting subplot, but we don't even discuss it. Like that seems to be they the Bajorans have either been searching for that, or ha- would have been all-out war because someone has gotten their hands on it who's not sanctioned. So I'm, I'm curious as to what that whole thing was. So those are my two main things. And
0: they've, and they've mentioned it before on the show that the Cardassians stole orbs. Right? And one of the things they were negotiating yeah, for was, right? was the return of the orbs, and the Cardassians, we don't have any. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's actually kind of an important thing that should be treated more seriously than it was like i don't how the hell did the nagus get his hand on an orb um or at least make it a story i think i think it would have been there so i mean i think that honestly is my biggest wormhole i mean the rest of it well the you know the carrington of it all it's not that it doesn't make sense i just don't know why it's on tv
1: yeah. It's, I mean, for a like, show I, that's I can, so plot based about telling saying even if it's allegory, it has something to say. There's a why. And I can't parse what this is here.
0: Well, it's like in life, not everything means something. But on TV, it should. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. As opposed to the the writers just sort of talking about their own experience. It, it, it was it, it which again, like I get it. Right. Great. Tell that story. But just find a way to make it about something for our characters, for our heroes, because um, otherwise, you know, it's, I think about this in my writing sometimes, right? Whether I, I'm working on a on a screenplay or a play or or a, a scene, sometimes I have to be diligent. Sometimes about is this a a play or is this a therapy exercise?
1: Mm.
0: You know, is is this for me? Or am I writing something for other people and they both have value but I have to sort of keep an eye on it that I'm not just working through my own stuff and that it's it's not really of use to anybody else um I think that's sort of it yeah so I, I, I those are those are my I don't think I have any new wormholes or, my, your- or hmm?
1: and in in the best I think of episodes and this goes across media across television the two the two stories should be complementary, as in together they have something mm-hmm. to say in their juxtaposition or in their c- character intersections. Something, or is it just two like leftovers that they threw in the microwave because we got we our, our groceries aren't ready? Like it, and uh, I, I did not catch that overlap either. So it doesn't really go a little with bit you. like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, that's that's that.
0: All right. Best moment.
1: You go first. I got to think. I didn't love a lot of it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Actually, no, 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 no. I got something. Okay. I'll I'll say. One of the things I think that there are a couple of character movements that are slow, but they do happen. I'll talk about one of the other ones later. But for this, I want to use Rom. Only a few episodes ago, we had a big breakthrough for Rom through Nog, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he got a little confidence. I think he got his son gave him confidence. He got confidence that he's doing a good job as a father. I think there was a little bit of movement there. And here, once again, he shows his shrewdness in playing his part as the fool, but also using that to garner some acquisition, and then letting Quark know, very secession-y, saying, you know, just so you know, I I got some smarts, and then getting that acknowledgement from his brother. Maybe there's some... uh, well, mean and, ground in the middle
0: there so well absolutely like he's he's more competent than anybody thinks mm-hmm. we're we're definitely sort of telling that story he's using the fact that everybody's everybody thinks he's a dumb dumb to his advantage a little bit but also i think we saw some genuine interest in this more progressive idea uh yeah, in that too. in wrong
1: altruism like
0: he was he was sort of like on board and so it, it it's almost a part of me that wishes he didn't do the embezzlement at the end because we're seeing him, like changing his opinion. He's becoming. He's he's falling a little bit further out of the Ferengi way of thinking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So yeah, I mean, for me, the the best moment is is also Rom Quark. I think it's just their their silly lean uh, scene of, of cohabitating with your slob of a brother. Like we all understand that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was you know just. Fun. And they
1: gave a little context. It was the first time they've even in their dialogue in that first scene, they talked about growing up together. And we never really heard much mm-hmm. about that. You know, their childhood. And and they've been
0: together for a lot they've been buddies for a while, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. And and you're working for your brother and it's complicated. Who's, who's older? Quark is older. Okay. Um Yeah, so yeah, we're, we're 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 gonna get there. Don't you worry. We're gonna get lots more of that. So uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was my best moment. Mike, I think it's time. You get some are
1: they self-sealing?
0: Hell yeah, they are, Hell yeah, they are. Here are some samples. For who? For you. For you, Mike. For you.
1: See what I did there,
0: Keith? I did. I did. It's good TV.
1: Um. All right, so let me start with. The two things I think this episode actually does for me, mm-hmm. because I, for the most part, you know how I feel about that storyline. I, I think that's a big knock on the episode. I also think the pacing is very bad in this episode. It's it. I get. I think the comedic beats are fine. I think the Ferengi funny stuff is also pretty cool some of the time, but I think they belabored it a little bit here. The sitcomy threes company bits with the with the Grand Nagus and all of that, go on for very long. It's 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 over yeah. half of the episode before we get to the MacGuffin, which leads to the the prophecies that and the resolution, which are, are pretty. There are some interesting parts to them. Ultimately, we leave a lot of fruit on the tree, I think, because we don't know how he got the thing or how the interaction with the Bajorans went after the fact. And I do feel like trying to sell them at an exorbitantly... Hold, hold one of their religious icon pieces or what do you call them um uh, relics yeah as, yeah, right, as sure. um hostage financially is actually probably a pretty big big deal politically but we don't really do sure. that either it's just a yeah. kind of a joke but what i do think is effective here and and maybe i'm over analyzing but I, I they did stick out to me were two things one and, and they all are in – remember we ta- I just was talking about how when plots intersect and compare themselves to each other, it can be effective, ask imp- in- interesting questions. Going back to last week where we were talking – really kind of asking questions about religion and about how much religion is something that is our interpretation versus what we're shoehorning. Mm-hmm. So two things I noticed in this episode. I'm not going to imply what I think it means, but I'm going to say I, th- I don't think it was unintentional. One – the, the, they're called the wormhole aliens, is what we're calling them.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the prophets, it's wormhole aliens to the Federation, yeah. the prophets to the Bajorans.
1: They do behave in an omnipotent fashion.
0: They, mm-hmm.
1: in that they, they, they have decided that they are the arbiter of how a being should be, right? Mm hmm. They've yep. decided that Ferengi are not good in this current state, so they will alter them. And they have the power yep. to do so,
0: which is interesting. Yeah, they they, they do not have the, uh, uh, the, the uh, prime directive.
1: Yes, correct, yeah. That's to be noted. That is something we, yep. have, we are learning here. And I, what I think is interesting about that is that you could frame that very positively, right? You could say... Our, our God has decided that you, this is a sinful way of living for the Fringy. So yeah, we are going to yeah. make a miracle and make him better. He's like Lazarus. We're raising him from his existence and making him a new form. Or yeah. you could say, <laughs> as, as Quark kind of says, not really, but maybe that's the, that this is the way we are. You shouldn't meddle with it. And it is, this is, you, that's interference. You shouldn't be doing <laughs> None that. None of right? your
0: business. Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: So, I think that's interesting. That is something we've learned about the wormhole Lands slash prophets that I think is actually furtive and interesting moving forward. Also, and and this is one I'm interested to get your take because I might be overanalyzing it out of context with knowing where things go. There was a big deal made last week about what what one what, 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 about Kira and the other Kai making. Sisko the emissary and the importance of the emissary mm-hmm. and the central, like, religious necessity of the emissary in all of their teachings and all of their everythings, right? right? The emissary right. Is, right. A, is the thing. Not once in this episode, and we talked directly to God, if you're a mm-hmm. do they say the word emissary? They refer to him as the Cisco, just like they refer to her as the Kira. They refer to well- every-
0: well, they they the the prophets never called him the emissary, right? Do they an emissary? Because I think the Bajorans this is what I'm saying. Title. What I'm saying is that there is
1: a disconnect directly from what the Bajorans believe, the importance of the emissary, the the religion they've created, versus from the horse's mouth. They don't refer to him yeah. as the emissary. They don't point out. I mean, he's important, but they don't they don't s- separate him from the rest of the, the cast members they're talking about in the episode at all. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting uh, uh saying something with uh, by not saying it. Uh just something I noted it stuck out to me yeah. cuz I kept waiting to say how they were going to if they were interested in what the emissary said and they don't even they don't even refer to him that way. So I thought that was an interesting thing. I think that those two things what I took from this episode, I learned a little bit about the wormhole aliens. Yeah. Outside like, is- of that, the comedy worked up to a point and then got a little exhausted for me. I also think it stepped on some of the more important beats we could have had. All in all, as you can tell, did not love. If we're using straight down the middle, the fifty from Sands last week, I don't think it's bad, but I can't give it more than sixty stem bolts.
0: Sixty, yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting about the about the emissary thing. That's a, that's a really interesting point because like, is is the emissary a title? Right, a position within the iconography of the religion or whatever it is, or is the emissary a role that somebody plays?
1: And if it's as easy as just going into the wormhole and opening up the box to talk to these cats, why are we having an election for the Kai, right? Or for the? Why don't we just go ask them? What's up? Who do you? Who is the next one?
0: Well, I don't think they necessarily care about who the Kai is because that is that is the religion versus the, you know, because, like, does God care who the pope is?
1: Apparently, well, according to the religion he does, God is guiding what smoke comes up, right? So it's a... I don't
0: know, yeah. It's it's a I chicken mean, or egg scenario. Well, well, this is where you get into the messiness and complexity of religion versus spirituality versus blah, 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 blah.
1: Right, which is why I think it's not unintentional that they, sh- there are discrepancies episode to episode about how much interaction or how much agency the wormhole aliens have to the religion. Well,
0: oh. And, and, you know, agency is one and will is another. Yeah. Do they give a crap? Yeah. Do they not? Are they even aware of it? Are they not? And, and, you know, that's, that's always been the debate. I mean, you know, talk, talk to a thousand different religions. They're going to have a thousand different answers for each of those, pieces of it which is where it gets murky and i think a lot of the commenters you know especially those who are not religious are like well here's where you see the 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 mushiness of it all that can be exploited for this exploited for that for all sorts of good bad and ugly reasons um which is you know again the the muddiness of it the messiness of it that i is one of the things that i think deep space nine portrays well um all right but i gotta give stem bolts um yeah, the 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 Bashir story. There's a story there that just didn't write it.
1: Yeah,
0: right. Um, there's there. I, I can think of six different ways to make that an interesting and valid story. They just didn't do it. Um, even the point that I think they were trying to make—that it's just like people pretend they don't care, but they do, and people are get weird when something like that happens. Just wasn't really told that well, um, you know. The so the Ferengi part, the the Ferengi comedy episodes, right? I think <sighs> Ferengi episodes are very difficult because it's a bit of a high high wire act mm-hmm. because they are so extreme in their characterization, in the performances. I mean, like, Wallace Shawn's performance is a big swing. Yeah,
1: that's fair.
0: Right. And so (laughs) it is always on the razor's edge of being phenomenal or disastrous. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the way that we understand the Ferengi's way of life their beliefs their political beliefs their you know the the greed is good sort of a thing that it's so extreme that you have to be really careful when you hold it up to any level of scrutiny because it it's it it's so out there can easily be picked apart in like 10 seconds and the whole thing collapses um so you're way out of the limb conceptually and you're also way out on a limb performance wise with the comedy so that when you're able to ride that razor's edge and it's successful it's really fun you know like like the episode we had um you know with with quark and 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 the and the the whole pants section of it that was really fun that was that was really cool we learned something it had some depth had some complexity
1: 100
0: um this one i don't think was that successful because, because I think they didn't build the infrastructure to have it be to have it stand up on its own two feet, intellectual, like, you know, con- conceptual, you know, which is why, if if what we're getting to is Quark making a defense of the Ferengi way of life, you know, it may not be for you, but here's why it works for us. Here's how it has some benefits. Like I said before, I'd love. To hear that argument, I you know, and and I I would love to have a true debate. You know, essentially capitalism versus socialism, right? It's what we're all sort of debating. It's 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 been it's been the humanities' existence for the last two hundred years, right? And I think there are great arguments on either side, so let's have it. Let's have that argument and try to arrive arrive at something. And they just sidestep the whole idea.
1: Yeah, because I think your point is really important, and I'll hit it again because if you don't. We don't have to agree with it. In fact, it's better if we don't. But if they don't have a solid understanding of their motivation, of their why, of why it's important and why it's the way they their entire civilization is, is built, then it becomes one-dimensional.
0: Well, and and if you're if your your goal is to try to be persuasive, it can't be a straw man argument.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? You have the, the most persuasive argument gives weight and light to the other side so that when you dismantle it, you're not just like you've actually dismantled something as opposed to this weird caricature uh, or, or, whatever. Um, and so I think it's just, it's, it's a missed opportunity. I, I get it. They want to do something fun and light and whatever, and do a comedy episode. Fine. That's, that's like, I, I don't have a problem with a comedy episode. I, I like the sort of structure of this. I'd love to find out what happens when the Negus interferes with the wormhole aliens and and what they would do to try to fix that. I don't dislike the basic concept of it. Like they change the Nagus to completely believe the opposite of what he believes. What are the consequences of that? How does that spin out? Like I'm con This is an episode where my me- I talk about a lot I have, I have episodes where my memory of it isn't as good, and then I watch it. I'm like, oh, that's much better than my memory of the episode. My memory of this, epi- of this episode is better than the actual watching of it because I think in my own head, in my memory, I rewrite it mm-hmm. to be a little bit better than it was because I like the idea. I like the what yeah, if. It's,
1: it's like almost a Freaky Friday episode, and you know we love a Freaky yeah. Friday. It's almost I, Freaky Friday.
0: I love the what if of this but the execution of it is not good. So uh, at the end of all of that, it gets 62 self sealing oh, right stem there. bolts for okay. me. We're we're real close and not that far off from the IMDb ranking, which ranks this episode 146 out of 173 episodes of Deep Space Nine with 67 self sealing stem bolts. Mike, uh, pitch our other shows and our social media, will you, Keith?
1: We do a lot on the internet. We start every week, Monday, 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 with KM Geekly, where we talk about have you been watching any shows, movies, podcasts, stuff we have to find cool? And sometimes we talk about video games or whatever it might be. Sometimes we just chat. It's your chance, Keith and Mike Unfiltered. That's Mondays, KM Geekly. And then on Wednesdays, you get this show. We talk about Deep Space Nine every episode, every week. Try not to miss. You can help us join the team. Then, Keith. Friday's Strange New Show, our patrons demanded it, we supplied it, we're going episode through episode through the newest Star Trek adventure, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which just premiered its season two, and we are three quarters through season one, so we are getting geared up to join all of y'all watching season two, Right, and we do the same thing, 90 minutes, we talk all about it, we give out our stem bolts, and then of course on Sundays, our flagship show, where it all started, Keith. We looked at Keith's toys, and then we started looking at your toys, customs, playsets, things people send us in the mail to review, all kinds of stuff. Playmates, look at my Star Trek toys. That's on Sunday, and that's everything you get, unless you're a patron at Patreon.com/knm, where there's so much—some would argue, too much—more.
0: <laughs> yes. So next week we are going to be talking about visionary. There are only 10 more episodes Ooh. left in season three. We have some great ones coming up. Very excited. Uh, so Visionary is up next. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. Thank you so much for watching. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe or become one of our patrons at patreoncom K&M.